I'm Professor Lucy Rogers, the inventor with a sense of fun. I've judged fighting machines on Robot Wars, written a book on rocket science, and even performed stand-up comedy. But now, I have a new challenge. DesignSpark want me to find out how everyday tech is helping people and places do extraordinary things. From saving bees to unlocking a sixth sense, just how are they giving themselves the engineering edge? I'm walking around the edge of this meadow and the trees are, are all turning colour. Uh, they're turning to that orangey-brown colour. But the birds, the birds are just chittering and chattering and all getting together ready for their long flight south. They're migrating to warmer climes. And you can just see them all. They're just uh, jumping from tree to tree, having a good natter to each other. It's great. Oh, that's Tiffany, my producer. She's calling. Hello. Hi, Lucy. Sounds like I've caught you outside. <laughs> I'm out in the middle of uh, my local meadows of Woodbit. And oh, can you hear that? Can you hear those birds? It's the time of year that they're all getting together and they're all going to head off south and leave us. And they're all migrating. How do they know where to go when they migrate? They, they have compasses. They've got internal compasses, I'm sure. An additional sense that we don't have, that's the mission. That's the mission for this episode. Can we use everyday tech to give humans a sixth sense? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do that. I'm on it. spent the morning looking for people and places who are working on technologies that could help humans gain a, a sixth sense. And I found one. It's a company in Germany called Navibelt. So I'm calling Susan Wacker because she and her two colleagues created this Navibelt. And I'm really excited to learn how it works. Hi, Susan. Thanks ever so much for joining us today. Can you start by explaining what is the Navi Belt, please? The Navi Belt is a belt with 16 lift vibration motors. They are equally distanced around the waist and always one is vibrating. So in the normal compass mode, it's always the vibration vibrating in the direction of north. So I can feel where north is. And when I turn, it also moves around my belly or my back so that I can always feel how much I turned and in the which direction is north. And we also tried that with blind participants in our studies. And there we found out that it's a really, really big help for blind people. And that's how we um, finally made the product as a product for everyday life for blind people. So a visually impaired person can actually wear this belt and navigate themselves around the street. Yes, so there are two different things. Like one is the navigation part, as you mentioned. So in combination with Bluetooth and an app, you can enter a destination and then it 
yeah, you can follow your gut feeling. So it always vibrates <laughs> in the direction where you have to go. The other point, uh, what I mentioned before, the compass mode is already really helpful for blind participants. The belt, you feel exactly when you turn. So it's not possible that you turn without noticing. And therefore, you are able to walk in straight lines without any problem. What made you start in the first place? What made you look into this? It was a research project in the cognitive science department. So it was brain research. And the question was, how do we learn to see? How do we learn to hear? How does that process of learning a sense work? And the idea was that you could investigate it if you just try to build a new sense. So if there's sensory information, like feeling where north is, this was just an example because humans don't have that sense, could that change your perception? Could that uh, make you feel like a new sense? And how does that process of learning kind of a sense work? And that was the idea behind it. And therefore, we decided to try it with a magnetic sense. And this actually did kind of work. So you've got this belt on and it's got lots of little motors around, Are they vibrating motors. Yes, the sort of thing that you'd get in a mobile phone, maybe? Yeah, similar. It's, uh, it's similar. Uh-huh. A bit bigger so that you can feel it uh, better, but it's uh, similar, uh, yes. And so, so how does it all work? So the belt has uh, um, a little circuit board and there's uh, different sensors. There's an accelerometer, a gyroscope and the magnetometer, so the compass. And uh, so the belt itself, without a connection to the smartphone, knows where north is and then with some cables uh, connected to each of the vibromotors, it uh, gives a signal so that the right vibromotor vibrates, which is closest to north. So this uh, works with a normal compass, like a magnetic compass. I, I assume you've actually worn this thing. What does it, what does it feel like? I was one of the, yeah, the subjects of a scientific study in the beginning because I was also a researcher in that uh, research project. And I wore it for two months. Every day, oh, wow. all my waking time. Uh-huh. So uh, it was really, really inter- interesting. It was a kind of a yeah, sensory augmentation experience. That was also what we were investigating in the research project. And it really felt like, whether it's a new sense or not, it's more a philosophical question, I would say, but it really <laughs> felt like uh, better orientation. It was much easier. I didn't have to pay so much attention to where I am because I just always new. I'm imagining um, if you've left your car in a big car park or something and you think, oh, was it in that direction or this direction? Um, you, know, you might be able to get some feedback from that. Yeah, that would be a practical use, uh, use case. <laughs> so yes, uh, which, and together with the app, you can just press a button like uh, save this location as a favorite. <sighs> and then yep. I can uh, later on tell the bell, please vibrate back to the um, to this point. So, for example, also for blind people, if they are entering a forest, for example, then uh, they can just mark the entrance of the forest, so the place they know, and then in the end they can just press a button on the belt uh, and it uh, leads them back to the previously, yeah, previously recorded uh, position. You say you wore it for two months. Did you miss it when you took it off? Oh, yes. <laughs> really? So uh, in the beginning, I was not feeling the difference so much because uh, it was just a uh, process over the time because I was wearing it only with the north function, nothing else, only the north function. And uh, after some weeks 
the battery went off because I was just, I just forgot to charge it. And then I thought like, you know, it, it's not so different with belt or without belt. And I was standing there. Oh, but, but where do I have to go? And where am I? And where do I come <laughs> from? And then I felt the difference. And it really was a, a, a different feeling. I always, um, I had the impression it was like Google Street View, but everything is transparent. So I could always point into a direction where I come from without thinking about it. So one example was, for example, when someone talked to me and uh, told me like, where are you going today? And I was like, yeah, first I go to the office and then I go to uh, visit my friend. I I took my hand pointing in that direction, even so it was behind me and it was always the correct direction without thinking about it, even without a window, nothing. It was always clear where I I am in comparison to all the other locations. So this was a really like, new experience I had not before. And, and you're not visually impaired? No, I'm completely able to see. And uh, yeah, so seeing people, they are really different. So some people are good navigators and they know where they are. Others uh, don't know where they are. And I'm normally I'm able to navigate without problems. So I'm not one of the persons who had already problems before, but still it was so much more easy and so much more fun and relaxing because you don't have to pay attention so much. So even though I walked through a city which I did not know with a friend and I was talking to the friend, I did not pay attention. In the end, I still knew where I was and I could go back without problems. Thanks ever so much, Susan. That's been a great story. Thanks. I absolutely love the idea of having an extra sense of knowing where north is all the time. And it's all based on something as simple and everyday as a haptic motor. Uh, so the haptic motors are ones you can control. And so you can get them to go zzzz, whereas a vibrating motor in general are just ones that go zzzz, in a regular fashion, but you can actually control the haptic ones. Um, and you'll probably find those in a, a video game, the handset, um, that actually gives you feedback. You, know, you might have a means turn left or means turn right. Yeah, you can really control what that is telling you. Susan has said that if I actually want to talk to someone who's using the belt daily, I should speak to Dario Madani. He lives near Frankfurt in Germany. He lost his eyesight 14 years ago, so he knew what having sight was like and what it is like to lose a sense. And by using the Navibelt, what it's like to gain a sense. Hi, Dario. Very good to meet you. Hello, Lucy. Nice for having me. You lost your eyesight 14 years ago. Can you take us back a little bit to there and how has your day-to-day -day life changed? I lost my eyesight um, within a time period of six months. Wow. Mm -hmm. So uh, January 2006, I visited um, a doctor to have my eyes checked and he told me that, <laughs> yeah, it looks very bad. So um, pretty much eight months later... Uh, in August, I uh, got a surgery on my eyes, which did not work out very well. And in October, I got another 
surgery on my eyes, which uh, let me wake up blind. Mm -hmm. What sort of things changed? There are two things which you lose when you lose your eyesight. First of all, you lose the ability of spontaneous traveling. Uh, uh You know, you can't just say, yeah, just go out, I jump jump into my car and um, I go for a ride. Or, uh, you know, hey, let's go for a for a weekend abroad or whatever. Um, that changed a lot. I was uh, uh, depending on help from a lot of people, especially in the first time of becoming, of the first time becoming blind. I had to ask for everything, for everything, yeah. And uh, that was pretty much against my my character until then. I lost a lot of my... Uh, self-confidence at that time and um, that was pretty hard Um, and the other situation that uh, you lose or that I lost was the ability to read. Of course so you came across the navi belt and and started wearing that so how how did that feel for you? The ability of spontaneous traveling and spontaneous like saying oh I'm just going to go out for a walk I just want to walk around and get my head cleared and uh, with the help of the belt or with the usage of the belt, I got that back. And for me, being blind, getting things back that I thought to be lost forever is a very, very big deal and a very nice thing. So I'm, I was able to, to go out for a walk again. And I don't have, I never, and since I'm wearing the belt, I don't have to concentrate that much anymore when I'm outside walking because I don't have to to use my, my hearing for the navigation. I just use the vibration of the belt for my navigation. Oh, so you can use your ears just for listening for traffic or the birds or whatever. Everything is very, which is very important <laughs> for me being blind. You know, like if you walk around uh, on, in, in, like on, the, on the roads, or like you have to listen to the traffic. You just have to. If you miss a traffic information... Um, that can be life-threatening. And since uh, the belt is not like um, occupying your ears at all, you um, have a much, much safer way of, of walking around. So is this why uh, people are calling this like a sixth sense? Because it's, it's not taking away your hearing, but you haven't got to listen to, to uh, navigation over headphones or whatever. You can actually just rely on it to get to where you want to go exactly wow yeah yeah is there anything that's you know you've you've got back other than the walking just imagine you're you're want to pass a square yeah and uh you want to go to a bakery let's just take a very very easy example you want to you want to walk towards a bakery and uh uh, if you're able to see you just focus the 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 place where the bakery is and you walk towards the bakery and that's it easy normal yeah just imagine you're blind you're closing your eyes and you're in the middle of this square and you ask somebody oh excuse me could you please be so kind and tell me which direction i have to turn to to reach the bakery and the person willing to help you tells you it's no problem you just have to walk straight on and this just is not a just for us (laughs) you know there is no just walking straight because you just can't walk straight as a blind person since you, you don't have um, 
uh, a point that you can focus on and that you can, uh, you know, target to. So, so you, you you drift, do you? You you drift one way or the other? Yeah, of course. Definitely. Right. So if you walk like uh, further than like 10 or 20 meters, you're not going to reach your, your goal or your target. So with wearing the belt, I just ask, oh, could you please point out for me which direction I have to go? And the person is showing me the direction maybe by by um, grabbing my, my, my cane and pointing my cane into the direction so I know where I have to go to. And um, the belt is helping me like helping me walking a straight line. And that is a huge, huge benefit. So it sounds to me that you really like this belt and uh, so much so that you actually joined the team. Yeah, I, uh, I uh, experienced the belt the first time in 2017 on a, on, a, on, a, on a fair, which is called Side City. And at that time, it was a prototype of the actual belt. And it was, uh, we... We, we, we call it a boa constrictor at that time. It was a huge, huge thing, very heavy. But I was very interested in the technique and I thought, hey, go on with that product. And if you, if you change the design and if you, if you make it smaller and if you make it more usable, then this is a brilliant idea for each and every blind and visually impaired person in the world, to be honest. The company asked me if I would like to join the team I said of sales and I said, yeah. What are the future plans for the belt? There are a lot of requests that uh, if we could, could um, realize a waterproof belt that blind people um, are able to swim straight lines. Yeah, it's another, another easy thing for somebody who's able to see. <laughs> we're, we're thinking about um, building in a system and it's already, the, the technique is already there. We just have to program it. Yeah, if you fall over and you, you're, you're on, the, on the floor, the system can detect if uh, you stand up again. And if you just fall and you don't stand up in a certain time, we're thinking about connecting our app with the health app of uh, iOS so that there is an emergency, an emergency system starting. So if you are not getting up again, that uh, there's emergency calls getting out to whatever number and um, iMessages are going to send out to whatever number. This, this has been absolutely fascinating. Thanks ever so much, Dario, for joining me today and explaining how, the, how, how it's affected your life. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. Speaking with Dario has really made me want to try something like this for myself. So I'm going to make a, a prototype using parts that I can get from RS and I'm going to put one vibrating motor on a hat that's connected with magnetometer and so it'll buzz when I face north. It's going to be cool. It is a very grey and drizzly day and I am standing on a football field, soccer pitch, and there's no one else out here, which is also good because I'm about to look really silly. I made a prototype. I've then attached that to a baseball cap. When the front of the cap is facing north, the buzzer will go off 
and the vibrating motor would go zzz. So to test it, I mean, it worked in the lab. First of all, I'm gonna walk blindfold across the uh, football pitch. And I know that it is 70 paces across. I've already tried that. And see how far off the center line I walk. And then I'm gonna turn around, put the cap on, walk back, hoping that the noise will keep me in the right direction. And because I've actually put the cap so that north is at the front um, of the cap, I'm gonna to have to wear the cap slightly askew with because this football pitch isn't north-south aligned. Pah. To help me a little bit, I have got an ice cream. That is my goal. That is what I am aiming to come back to. So, first of all, let me put the blindfold on. Okay, so 70 paces starting now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Okay, give or take. How far away? Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm miles away from the centre line. Okay, um, I veered off to the right by about 18 steps over 70. This time I'm going to put the cap on, make sure it's aligned so that when I face down the centre line, it goes beep and see how that works. Now, I do realise that I have got about 30 degrees, 15 either side of my centre line um, that I've got to move before it actually will go beep bob. And off I go for 70. One, two, I have opened up my eyes and I had I had actually turned through 90 degrees um, so I don't quite know what went on there <laughs> which I, I think just shows that um, a very simple prototype by me is um, needs a lot of work to make it into a, a navi belt right I can see the ice cream because you know I keep that as a as an extra incentive a bit of a sin not to, um, you know. Mm, nom, nom. I am now in the middle of a sports field in the rain, eating an ice cream with a hat that goes beep bop, blindfolded. I love my work. I think it's amazing that we can give ourselves a sixth sense just by using everyday technology of a, a vibrating motor. Even though mine didn't work too well, you could see the principle, you could see how it would work. But now I'm curious as what else could we do? What other senses, what other new senses are being created using everyday tech? And are there other people out there that are using technology to replace a lost sense or make us little transhuman? 
I found someone who can tell me. I'm calling Matthew Hudson in New York. He's a science journalist and he's been diving into the world of sixth sense. Hi, Matthew. Thanks ever so much for joining me uh, on this call today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You've been investigating sixth sense um, technologies for quite a while. What are the best ones that you've found so far? So there's sort of a biohacker community, uh, people who implant things into their bodies, like like magnets and things. And then they put instructions online and they have meetings where they help each other figure out how to uh, sort of push the boundaries. So there, there's one that's been around for a while. It's called Bottle Nose. Uh, it's basically a device that you wear on your hand, like a, a, a ring. And it can have various inputs. It could um, use sonar or detect ultraviolet or Wi-Fi or heat. Uh, and then it can translate that into a vibration. Or if you have a, a little magnet implanted in your um, in your finger, then it could, you know, make that um, vibrate. Uh, and so you can detect, for instance, how far away something is or how strong the Wi-Fi signal is. So people have cochlear implants to account for hearing loss. So most of them then are, yeah, as you say, biohacks. You actually have to put something in your body first for it to react to or for something else to react. A lot of these things, yes. But there are also... Things like night vision goggles have been around for a long time, used by police and, and military. Of course. Um, so you've got the artists at one end and you've got the, the researchers in a lab at the other and somewhere in the middle, maybe the biohackers who are either doing it for fun or or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the soldiers, the military, uh, medical researchers, the artists and biohackers. There's a, an interesting person named Neil Harbison who was born without the ability to see color. So he has implanted what he calls an antenna. It's sort of a camera attached to a, a little arm that it's sort of screwed into the back of his skull, but it reaches over the top of his head and points forward. Sort of like an anglerfish. Uh, anglerfish. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and it turns color into vibration uh-huh. uh, at different frequencies in his skull. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he can hold like an apple up to it and uh, he can tell the color of the apple by the way that it's vibrating his skull. Oh, wow. So, yeah, there's uses for these things. It's not just fun. Yeah. And it's, yeah, and it's not just the battlefield. So you were saying about the night vision goggles have been around for quite a while. So when did people start trying to develop new senses? Well, that's sort of, uh, it's hard to answer. One could say that writing is a way of replacing sound, replacing speech, uh, and Braille is another thing that it translates. You're using touch in order to perceive what people would normally see. So that's not a complete, uh, completely new sense. It's uh, sort of a replacement sense. There's some other research on, on replacing lost senses going back to the 1960s. A researcher named Paul Bakirita, who attached a video camera to a uh, an array of sort of metal spikes on the back of a, a dentist chair. So this sounds like a torture device, <laughs> but um, someone would sit in the chair and lean back and the, the spikes would vibrate mm-hmm. at, at a frequency that corresponded to sort of the brightness of a pixel that the, the camera was picking up. Okay. So you're effectively sitting on a picture. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, and so you, people could hold an object up in front of the camera and blindfolded people sitting in the chair uh, would be able to, after some, some practice, mm-hmm. they'd be able to identify the object held up in front of them. So has anyone done anything with taste yet? Taste and smell are very hard. Smell, for instance, is represented in the brain in differently in in each person. And the first layer of perception is kind of this random assortment of neurons that don't ab- adhere to a certain structure. So it's kind of hard to figure out how you would translate the chemical property into the right representation uh, for someone's brain. So there hasn't been a lot of work in and, and that sort of thing, but you could do you could use a, a chemical sensor that picks up on something that people can't smell, and then sort of reads out into a device. Like if if there's some harmful substance, the carbon monoxide um, monitor, exactly, with sound, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you can do not just carbon monoxide, but you could do other kinds of harmful toxins, or you could do radiation, for instance. Um, uh-huh. So when people are exploring. Um, like nuclear nuclear reactors, for instance, they might carry around a device that that beeps when the radiation is too high. So that's another sort of new type of sense. So this isn't just, you know, we've got five senses and why isn't that plenty? This is actually real real uses for it. It's protecting us. It's helping us in other ways. Um, yes. So it's not just, you know, because we're flippant, because we want a sixth sense, because right. you know, we want to try it, we want to augment ourselves. There's actually really some really good reasons behind some of these. Yeah. So it's not just being curious. It's not just being um, greedy and saying, oh, that animal has a sense that we don't have. We want that too. <laughs> um, there are very practical uses for some of these things. Have you noticed what the barriers to entry on some of these things are? So I can imagine, I, I wear glasses um, and yeah, having to wear glasses, put them on my face. It's annoying at times you know, when you, you go out on the water or it's, uh, you put a mask on and they steam up. Do you see any other barriers to entry on some of this um, sixth sense stuff? Yeah, there are some barriers to entry. For instance, cost. Some of these devices are expensive or, or will be expensive when they're finally fully developed and, and marketed. Uh, there's inconvenience of maybe having to put on and take off something or having to carry something around. There's distraction. Some of us are still overwhelmed by the senses <laughs> that we have and the distractions around us. If you're starting to add new senses, it's a lot to manage. And then some of these things require or could require surgery. So not everyone wants a, a new chip in their brain or open <laughs> skull surgery. Then there are also some ethical questions. Uh, there's inequality. Uh, not everyone will be able to have access to these things, partly because of the cost. So if some people have super senses or extra abilities that other people don't have, that, that could lead to some, uh, some difficult um, choices that we have to make as a society about how and, and when and who can use these things. And then there's an issue of, of communication and solidarity. To some degree, we all share the same senses. Some people don't have all of their senses, but there is some commonality there. And it sort of puts us in somewhat of the same plane space, the same reality. And if people start gaining new senses or, uh, or, or changing their senses dramatically, that could lead to problems in in communication and in seeing the world the same way, sort of like the the filter bubbles that we see online. Uh Um, Imagine if it's not just people reading different Twitter feeds, but it's people experiencing the world around them completely differently. 
I'm thinking the blue and gold dress or black and gold dress. Exactly. <laughs> caused uproar, and that was just a, a dress. Exactly. Not including the the senses that are replacing, senses that have lost or, or weren't there, but the sixth senses. How widespread is that technology? And let, let's let's not include military in that. Right, right. I would say it's not very widespread. So these things of, of like people implanting magnets or putting chips in their heads, that is pretty rare. We can replace one sense with another. Is it worth it? Should we be doing it? So sometimes if you want to add more information to one sense, it, beca- it can become overwhelming. So for instance, there's a neuroscientist at Stanford named David Eagleman, who has a company called Neosensory, and they have something they call a vest. You could feed lots of types of information into this vest. You could use the vibrations to detect, for instance, a stock market, or if you're controlling a drone, you could sort of feel what the drone is feeling, or you could use it as kind of a a video screen. And why wouldn't you just have that information displayed on your computer monitor? Um, Uh It's because tracking lots of things visually is very hard. But the body is used to walking and moving in the three-dimensional world using hundreds Mm -hmm. of muscles, and it can track all of those things in parallel at the same time. So instead of trying to track lots of things with your eyes at the same time, you could maybe track one thing visually and then have other things, instead of also being sent to your eyes, you could send those to your body and sort of intuitively sense these things uh, in a more natural and manageable way. So Yes, so just like the Navi belt, where's north you don't need to look at the compass it's vibrating around your waist exactly so where do you see the future of this all going so in the future i see the application of technology to this other use of the term sixth sense esp so there's some research on this where people wearing eeg which detects electrical activity in the brain Mm -hmm. uh, that can send a signal to someone else who is wearing an electrode array that send signals to the brain. You can wear it on the outside of your, over your hair. And so if one person thinks something like yes or no, an answer to a question, uh-huh. it can stimulate the other person's brain over a wire or wirelessly so that they might see a flash of light in one area versus another area indicating yes or no. Oh, so telepathy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a, it's a rudimentary form of, of mind reading. Wow. Um, and so I can see people you know, maybe more distant future, especially if you have uh, brain implants that can do sort of high resolution input and output, transmitting their thoughts to each other uh, in that way. Oh, that's been really interesting. Thanks ever so much, Matthew, for joining us. My pleasure. come back outside but I haven't got a compass with me and yeah I'd really like to know where north is it's amazing that something so simple as a little haptic motor as a vibrating motor can can give this sixth sense another sense to people and I had not even considered that it would be of so use to people who are blind. 
Now, what I really want, apart from a north finding sensor, is an ice cream finding sensor. Because I think I'm done with this episode, but I still want an ice cream. The Engineering Edge was a Why Did the Chicken production for Design Spark. It was hosted by me, Professor Lucy Rogers, and produced by Tiffany Cassidy, with Dan Page as the executive producer. Special thanks to our guests, Susan Vacker, Dario Nadani, and Matthew Hudson. If you enjoyed listening to the show, please do three nice things for us. Subscribe, rate us on iTunes, and tell a friend. For more episodes and bonus content, head to designspark.com forward slash podcasts. Ice cream eating noises. Mm, nom, nom.